Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the first all-gas, no-break sports podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Nicholas Bavona, and I am joined alongside Andrew Johnson and Grayson Sheepy Giamarino. Guys, truly a groundbreaking start for us here, our first podcast here. Yeah, it should be really exciting. You know, we're going to talk about college football, you know, this past week, a lot of crazy games. Looking forward to week two. We have that new AP poll that just dropped today. And maybe look at the NFL schedule coming up for week one of the NFL kickoff on Thursday. Yeah, we get to enjoy the torture of uh, that pitiful, disgusting, but also beautiful West Virginia game that is going hard. And you know, it's funny that you say pitiful, considering that they played the Pitt Panthers. So it sounds like you want to get into that game off the bat, Grayson. Oh, God. Where do I start? Uh, When I talk about a beautiful college football atmosphere i i don't know if i could get better than that it's outside the iron bowl and maybe the ohio state michigan game that that's about it that atmosphere seemed electric um i mean my mountaineers played a pretty damn good game really unfortunate ending (laughs) i mean what more could i say other than utter disgust and I borderline cried for about an hour after that game because they had well, that game in the bag. Well, you know, it was actually very interesting. You know, the fans were into it because they ran out of beer by, I think, 9 o'clock. And that game went on for about another hour and a half after that. So, you know, the fans were really into that game. You know, they weren't happy, uh, you know, about the ending, at least the traveling West Virginia fans. It was certainly a good game considering that both teams had new quarterbacks. You know, West Virginia had the former Georgia standout JT Daniels. Pitt had the USC standout Keaton Slovis, and they both looked pretty good in their you know home openers for both teams, and it all just came down to one simple play, which unfortunately for West Virginia was just a simple easy catch to make for the wide receiver. Doesn't name I can't remember the name. I'm sure it's Grayson Bryce does. Ford Wheaton. Well, there you go, and you know it just was a heartbreaking loss of West Virginia. They played a great defensive game in the first half, and you know. Second half just saw a lot of, you know, that offense that we were expecting in the first half of that game. And, you know, CJ Donaldson had a great game as well. There was a controversial decision where whether West Virginia should have went for it on fourth and one instead of taking a delay of game and punting. So definitely an interesting week one for both West Virginia and Pitt. But at the end of the day, Pitt gets the win 38 to 31. And a struggling start for West Virginia, but they do have Kansas next week, so an opportunity for them to get a nice bounce-back win. I'm going to say this. Going off my beautiful Mountaineers, if they play half that well this season, they're winning the Big 12, and I will not take no for an answer. If they play defense like that, and the offense consistently could put up points, that team is winning the Big 12. It's not even a, a thought in my mind. Well, there's only one thing you have to worry about, and that nobody in the Big 12 plays defense. So it doesn't matter how good they are week one. By week seven, every single Big 12 game, the final score would be 56 to 49. So that's Blow just how me, the Big 12 rolls. Well, speaking of high offensive scoring games, how about that North Carolina and Appalachian State game that we had this past weekend? I mean, it just seemed that every time that Appalachian State was down and out, it looked like they were going to be losing the game. They just came right back and kept scoring. There was no defense whatsoever, especially from a former Big 12 coach himself and Mac Brown. It just seemed like you saw the old Big 12 defenses coming into play. But thankfully to a non, you know, 
to a not committed two point conversion at the end. North Carolina barely hanged on to win that game. And from what I heard, it was a very packed crowd for that game. It was, I think, the third highest grossing ticket for the weekend. And that's included the Notre Dame and Ohio State game, the Oregon and Georgia game. It was a hot ticket to get this past weekend in North Carolina. Now, that's what's insane. even crazier about that is. When you, if you told someone this ten years ago, or even five years ago, that North Carolina football would be one of the top-grossing football programs in the country at any point during any season, they would have looked like you crazy. Uh, it seems like Mac Brown is really bringing back North Carolina. He has to be maybe. I don't think he should, should be embarrassed about that game because Appalachian State did have a really hell of a, you know hell of a good season last year, and it looks like they're a team on the rise. You know non-Power 5 conference, so it's going to be interesting interesting to see how Appalachian State is going forward. Yeah, I'd probably agree with that statement. I mean, Appalachian State, though, I mean, they're known for giving some pretty good teams a great run for their money. I mean, we go back, I mean, that Michigan game a long time ago, but, you know, they love being an underdog, and they love winning those big games for them. I was actually really surprised that they didn't win that game. Yeah, I mean, like you said, it was it, they always put out a fight, especially when it comes to these Power 5 schools. They seem to always give, you know, their 100% effort. And not for that missed two-point conversion, they very much well could have won that game. But they'll have a chance this upcoming weekend for another big potential shocker. They go to face the Aggies of Texas A&M. And I know you two love those Texas A&M Aggies. So it is going to be a great atmosphere for that game. Texas A&M, number six team in the country, could be on upset alert for that game. So definitely tune in to watch that one. This upcoming Saturday, 3.30, should be a great game to watch. And if you want to segment into games that don't matter, uh, how about we talk about that Oregon-UGA game? About the absolute embarrassment that occurred in Mercedes-Benz Stadium down in Atlanta. Well, I wouldn't say that it didn't matter. Going into the game, there was definitely high, you know, impact, for the game. I mean, Georgia's first game since winning the national championship. Oregon has a whole new, you know, coaching staff, new quarterback in Bo Nix, but they um, just, they were just not there at the beginning of that game. Bo Nix threw two early interceptions. One went back for a pick six. He just did not seem to have anything going. He tried to escape the SEC by leaving from Auburn to go to Oregon. He gets an SEC opponent of week one, and it, he just once again did not show the stuff that he, they were hoping to see. And because of that, Oregon goes from the 11th ranked team in the country. Now they're not even ranked coming into this week. So it's going to be an uphill battle for the Ducks coming into the season. But a great start for the defending national champion, Georgia. They looked absolutely dominant. They did not look like they lost a step. And they very much well could be still the favorite to win the national championship. Yeah, I would definitely say Setson Bennett might be the second best college quarterback I've ever witnessed. That kid does nothing but win games. He is a bold statement. Savage. Who would be number one? I mean, you might you gotta go with Johnny Football. I mean, Texas A&M legend. uh, Legend. That guy literally took out the Alabama dynasty, basically, (laughs) for a hot second there. Johnny Football certainly was the talk of the town in 2012-2013. Didn't have that big of an impact in the NFL, but he you're right. He was one of the most dominant quarterbacks in college football, and it showed Texas A&M was on the map then. They're trying to get back on the map now. They're doing a great job of it so far. But as you said, I mean, 
great effort by Stetson Bennett. Now he's got to be considered one of the favorites to potentially win the Heisman Trophy behind C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young, who both had their you know pretty solid efforts this weekend. And we'll have to see if Georgia continues his momentum. But you're right; they should definitely be in the national championship consideration just because of how Stetson Bennett played this past weekend. Staying with the SEC being on top and the Pac-12, of course, being on the bottom. Let's talk about that Florida-Utah game. Let's talk about how the Gators of the University of Florida upset the Utah Utes. You know, looking at that game, I wasn't a fan of Utah going into it because they were, I believe they were 1-6 in all-time all on the road against SEC opponents. So you're going to the Swamp. Seventh-ranked team in the country. A lot of people, you know, would say Utah's not a real team. They don't really play that big competition considering they're in the Pac-12. And, you know, Florida has Anthony Richardson, who is potentially going to be drafted this year in the top 10 in the NFL. And from what I saw, and everyone can attest to it, he looks like Lamar Jackson 2.0. He is that good. He can run the football. He can throw the football. You, now, I know you two aren't big Lamar Jackson fans, but for what I saw from this kid, he looks like he could be a tank. And I'm a New York Giants fan. I would love to see him in a New York Giants uniform for the next season. He was unbelievable. That two-point extra, you know, two point conversion he had where he faked the defender and rolled out, the kid was unbelievable. He played a no, solid no. game. So definitely a great start for the Gators and a tough loss for Utah on the road. Yeah, I mean... But, yeah, going back onto it, I mean, a great way for Florida to win that game. You know, it looked like they were going to give up a game when he touched down, but thankfully got an interception with 10 seconds left. Gators get a strong win. And now they're ranked going into this weekend. They got another big upcoming matchup with Will Levis in Kentucky, matchup of two ranked SEC teams. So definitely going to be another interesting game coming up this weekend at the Swamp. Yeah, I mean, the fact that it gets to be in the swamp back-to-back weeks is just what I could say is deadly for people going in there. Because when Florida's good, that place is rocking. And when that place is rocking, they are a very tough team to beat. Okay. You want to talk about rocking? How about the Carrier Dome this weekend, Grayson? (laughs) They were rocking this weekend. I am a Syracuse fan myself. Absolutely stellar start to the season. Every year I go into the year thinking that they're going to be terrible. You know, they were an underdog at home this week against Louisville. Malik Cunningham was one of the best quarterbacks in the nation right now. And they were just dominant. I mean, they were able to run the ball, pass the ball. They actually played defense. They held them to seven points. I literally thought I was witnessing things. This is by far their best win since 2018 where they won 10 games and beat no offense, Grayson. They beat West Virginia in a bowl game. This is their best start since that season. So, a great for, for Syracuse fan for myself, this is a great optimistic win to start off the season. Now, I don't want to jump ahead or jump the gun or anything, but you know, Syracuse football has been good in the last, you know, probably since Donovan Mc, Mc, uh, Donovan Mc, McNabb was there. True. You know, uh, McNabb was a legend both in the NFL and in college. Uh, but it seems like since McNabb has left, there's been kind of a void for for really all Northeastern football outside of Pitt. Uh, but as a Syracuse fan, if you think they're going to be bowl eligible, is it a pinstripe bowl kind of year or is it something higher? I think if you're a Syracuse fan, you'll take any bowl at this rate. They haven't been into a bowl game since that West Virginia game. So they'll take any bowl as they could take. For what I saw yesterday, 
they looked like the team from that season in 2018. They had an up-tempo offense. They actually played very well defense, probably the best defense I saw all week in the ACC. And that's even including the Clemson game against Georgia Tech. They just were dominant. Malik Cunningham, they're saying, might could have been a Heisman candidate, you know, and they just held him to nothing. They held him in check. It looked like at points that Syracuse was going to, you know, bend and not break, but they did a fantastic job on both sides of the ball. And for a guy that's won, Dino Babers for, fired for a couple seasons now, I have to give him credit. He just play, he coached a hell of a game this weekend. I'm going to say this about that West Virginia game. We had zero of our top ten players on that in that game. Just going to say it. <laughs> Doesn't matter who you play, as long as there's a W at the end of the day, you'll take it as it is. Yeah, now, I mean, if you want to, if you want to flip the W and make it an M, we could talk about Michigan's home opener, which was this past weekend. And you know, Michigan, another team that you know lost a bunch of talent in the offseason. You know, biggest one obviously being Aiden Hutchinson. But they did start off the season with the W at home at the big house. So a good start for the Wolverines. They actually moved up in the polls because of that. They're one of the top four teams now. So definitely a strong start for the Wolverines beating Colorado State. Question is, will they keep this momentum going on for the rest of the season? That's to be determined. I mean, there's not much more to say about that, to be honest. I mean, the only conversation there is the quarterback controversy. Who the hell is going to start the rest of the season? I, I want to say Cade McNamara. I want to say he's the favorite. Um, but you think it's going to be like another Tom Brady situation where the veteran is going to be taken out, uh, you know, early on in the season, maybe has to come back in to you know, dig them out of holes. I mean, it's going to be really interesting to see what goes on with Michigan. People are expe- or a lot of experts are expecting them to make the college football playoffs, and that's going to be very hard. They made it for the first time ever last year. Unfortunately, they ran into a uh, much better team, and they re- really didn't stand a chance against any really SEC team. But uh, a lot of experts experts expecting them to get back, maybe even get a win in the college football playoffs. Um, but it's going to be very, very interesting with that new uh, quarterback controversy. Yeah, I mean. Speaking of college football playoff, the fact that they're moving to a 12-team format is an absolute fucking joke. I hate the curse, but it's an absolute joke. 12 teams to make a playoff in college football is disgusting. There's not normally... Eight was the max. 12 is ridiculous. They are watering down what the college football playoff was meant to be, in my personal opinion. I don't know. I think I like this 12th playoff format. And the reason being is, if you're a fan of March Madness, you love seeing the most amount of teams possible getting that opportunity to potentially play for a national championship. And you love to see that up- underdog upset. Think about it if... A, I forgot how the format was. Think of it if it was a nine seed, or whoever the number nine team in this country. They get to play Alabama, and they upset Alabama in the first round. How big that would be you never like anything is possible credit will it probably happen i don't know i think it will depend on what the rankings are at the time but i for, for say i think i love this idea and this concept is 12 a lot maybe but i like the concept that they're going for we'll have to see how it implements when it comes down the line in 2026 i mean nick though let's let's say this I mean, look at last year's rankings. They would have had, what, three non-Power 5 teams in the playoff if it was 
in this format? I believe so, yes. Yeah. Come on. But hey, listen, it it brings exposure for these teams that don't really get national media, you know. Yeah, that's great. But they're going to get walked by Alabama, Ohio State, Michigan. Those top four teams in in the in I mean the SEC will work are going to be in every year. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, even the the two, maybe even the three seeds in the SEC East are going to be in in this playoff. Then, so what? You're going to have three SEC teams at the minimum every year. I mean, uh, I don't know. If it was up to me, there would probably be six SEC teams in the, in the college football playoffs each year. I mean, take a look at what happened with Alabama last year. You know, Texas A&M upset Alabama. Everyone, you know, you know, everyone said, oh, it won't happen. Alabama will lose. Obviously, they lost uh, to Georgia you know, eventually for, you know, the championship. But if you, if you take a look at, you know, anything that ha- can happen in the SEC. So, yeah, maybe this SEC team that is the seven or eight seed ends up beating, you know, the two of a three seed or the nine SEC as an SEC team that ends up as a nine seed, they end up playing Alabama or Georgia. It's definitely possible. Is it likely? I wouldn't call it likely, but it's definitely possible. And it's just going to make these guys show up for more games. And ultimately, like, you know, this this comes down to money. They want the advertising. They want the game revenue. They want the ticket sales. They want concession sales. They want everything that comes along with more college football playoff. Um if you take a look how the bowl game schedule currently works, it wouldn't be that much of a stretch, being that there's pointless bowl games going on all the time. I think people want to tune in if it's actually going to have something uh, towards the college football playoffs. I mean, you're absolutely right. I mean, the bowl games the last couple of years have not really meant as much as it was, you know, per se during the Tim Tebow era. I mean, everyone was looking forward to the Sugar Bowl and stuff. Now that's all a part of the college football playoff. I think adding these teams can you know make some of these other bowl games you know more prestigious and give those you know those companies that are sponsoring the bowl games you know a big opportunity to host some of the biggest names in college football you know some of these teams and you gotta remember we have all these expansions coming up soon you know texas and oklahoma and the sec usc and ucla are going to the big 10 now there's gonna be opportunities for you know teams that you know don't really get to see you know, a lot of media exposure and stuff like that have an opportunity to potentially either play for a national championship or just be in these, you know, different, you know, networks like the Big Ten Network or the ACC Network, the SEC Network, like stuff like that. It's huge. It's definitely a huge opportunity. It's like I said, it will be definitely interesting to see how it comes about in 2026. As of right now, I'm going to, you know, keep all optimism out there. I think this could be a great idea. It just needs to be seen how it will be implemented down the line. 